0: Okay, we are learning We're starting the Mishnah a little bit of the way down So, one thing that was super clear Although it was a really hard study yesterday One thing that was super clear is that After the passing of one's uh, wife They're allowed to move out and marry their, the, the sister The wife's sister And that again really comes from the Torah The Torah says The Torah says a woman to her sister You shouldn't take them when the wife is alive. So after the wife passes away, you're allowed to take the sister. So based upon that, Mishnah says, this is a fascinating case, because it involves many sisters. A man's wife is away, and they said to him, your wife has died. So he married his wife's sister. Now the key here is to understand that it was only a half-sister. Even half-sisters are included in the Yisra, and half-sisters, whether they share a common father, or they share a common mother, either way, they're included in the Israel. So, after he was told his wife died, he married her, um, her sister from the father's side. It was only a half-sister from the father's side, Mesha. Then they told him that the second, and then his wife went away, the second wife, and they said the second wife also died. So, he marries a third sister. And here's the key. The, the, the third sister is the second wife's maternal sister. It's a half-sister only from the mother's side. What does that mean? That means that the first wife that he had and the third wife that he had, are not related to each other, because the first wife was only a half-sister paternally to the second, the second wife, and the second wife was a half-sister maternally to the third sister, so one and three are not related. One and two, and two and three are each related, half-sisters, but one and three are not related. So then, what happens after that? Mesa, right, she, the third wife went away, and they told, they told him again, you know, she passed away, he married the third wife's paternal sister, so the fourth wife that he takes is a paternal sister of the uh, third of the third wife. So that again means that she's not going to be related to uh, wife number two. But with the irony, the irony is is that um, it would be related to number one, Mesa, and then they said after the fourth wife went away, they said that the fourth wife died, they married the fourth wife, maternal sister, then after all of this, what's happened? that all of the women were actually alive. So this is a crazy story because he kept on marrying more sisters because he kept on hearing news that they had passed away but the reality was that they were all alive. So what's the law? So the law is, so, so remember we learned in the last mission, remember the one thing that we learned that when a person heard news that his wife passed away so he married the sister and then the wife comes back he's not penalized that he can't go back to his original wife. The marriage to the sister was not binding at all. It was just a random mistake, sorry. And then he goes back to his wife and everything is fine. So in this case, basically, he's gonna go but that's for sure that he's gonna go back to his original wife. So once he goes back to his original wife, which of the other sisters though can he continue to be married to? The answer is any sister who's not related to woman number one. Any woman who's who's a half-sister of woman number one is also. So just do the math here. Mutter he's permitted with the first one, then Schlishesu is the third and fifth, because women one, three, and five are totally unrelated to each other. Two and four though are out, because two and four were related to woman number one. And, however, two and four, so it turns out they were just random, randomness, and uh, it emerges that, that, that it was nothing. There was no, there was no, there was no legal marriage. Nothing was binding about that. Poachos are the same. They're going to exempt their co-wives, meaning what happens now if the husband, who is legally married to one, three, and five, if he dies childless and... Uh, And now a brother is doing Yibam or with either one of these wives, one, three, and five, so the other wives would be released from Yibam or That's generally the law with Yibam or When you have a bunch of of wives, so the law is that once one of them does Yibam or or then the rest of them are free to go. So here, if two and four think they're married, which they're not, and they do Yibam or that's totally ineffective. It doesn't do anything. But if one, three, or five did Yibam or so then everything is fine, that would exempt the rest of the co-wives. All right, now we continue. Obviously, the husband is also to, to remain with the second and fourth wives because they are related to his original wife. And now if he dies childless, since they're not married to him, if the, his brother, the Yavim, would attempt to do Yivim or Chalisa to one of them, it wouldn't exempt any other one of the valid co-wives. Okay, great. So that was the original case. But now we give a little tweak in the case. Let's say what happened was the first one actually did die. Okay, so again, a man was married to a woman, she goes overseas, he hears, he, he hears that she passed away and he married her sister, her, her, her paternal sister. So now, in this last case, is that that news wasn't true, in this case, actually that ended up being the truth, that the first wife had passed away. So now the second wife is a valid marriage. So now if the second wife is a valid marriage so then that what does that mean that woman number 3 the maternal half sister of woman number 2 is not going to be a good marriage cuz 2 is good here. In the last case the first wife was alive so what was 1 3 and 5 were valid marriages 2 and 4 are not. In this case 1 actually died. So two is a valid marriage. So now that means three is not a val- is, is not going to be a valid marriage because it's the of a half sister of a wife. But woman number four is going to be a valid marriage, and five will not be. So In this case, it's the opposite. You're going to be allowed to remain with the second and fourth wives who aren't related to each other. Potros are the They would exempt their wives from yibum. But he'll remain also to stay with the third and fifth women. And if he would die childless, then bia from the yavam with either one from three and five were now patre the are. Okay, great. And that, really, the topic that we just did today was a continuation of the last sogyal, how a man is also on his wife's sister, he becomes mother to her after death, what about if he hears that he dies, and then she emerged and she wasn't, he goes back to her, and then he's also on any of the other sisters that he had been with. Okay, now we move on to a completely new topic, and it's a topic that, really brings together a lot of um. So we're gonna get back, we're trying to remember a lot of different thing, points that we've learned. But the one thing that we have to remember is that a nine-year-old boy is capable of having bia on a Torah level. His bia is considered a BA. But he doesn't have das. It's not like, you know, he's, a, he's not an adult. His das is not a das, his kin is not a Kenyan. So where does that leave us? With an interesting thing in regard to Yibam. If you have a yavam who's nine years old, technically he's capable of doing the mitzvah. And ibam doesn't even need das, right? That's the point. So technically he's capable of the mitzvah. But the rabbis basically said that since his acquisitions are not an acquisition and his das is not a das, so we downgrade, we downgrade his Yibam to be considered like a Mimer. Mimer is a partial Kenyan on the Yavama. Remember, it's like you give it a ring and you say, oh, you're my wife, but the Torah didn't say that, right? The Torah just said to do a bias. when you're doing the mimer, the kadushim, it's a partial effect, and, and, and therefore it like brings you close, but on the other hand, you didn't totally bring it. So those are some of the, the concepts that we've touched on in the past. So the rabbis and the nine-year-old boy are treating it as a partial acquisition. So now how does that impact everything? So here we go. Remember, just a couple more things to keep in mind. Remember, is that what happens if one brother did mimer? Can another brother do mimer? That was Machlokos Rabbi and the Ravana. Like, is there a, a mimer after a mimer? Then there's like different things. There's also a get, which pushes away the zika a little bit. A chalitza frees her completely, but a get can push it away somewhat. These are all things that are swimming around in our Yavama's uh, repertoire here. So here we go. Pente, Jishan of the Yom a boy nine years old in one day. Who pulls And he disqualifies all the brothers from taking their Yavama and Yiba. Uh, meaning it sounds like he could do something which will stop them from being able to do evil, because remember once one brother takes her, then no other brother 's allowed to so it sounds like the nine year old and one day that such an age of him he could do something which would take the, which would disqualify the other brothers from taking the yivam and Yibam. The other adult brothers could also disqualify him from taking in Yibam. Okay, so they, they could also, they could obviously also do something which would impact him and not allow him to do it. So what's the difference? The minor disqualifies only in the beginning. What does that mean, only in the beginning? It would sound like we're saying that if he went before an older brother, if he, let's say first did which we'll have to figure out in the Gemara's. We'll see exactly what he did. Did he, did he do a mimer or did he do a bia? But he did something. So if he was first, then he chaps it for himself. He made already a partial acquisition on the Ivama, and now the other brothers cannot take. So he can only do it, his effect, is only if it went first. The Achim, but the adult brothers could disqualify him. They take away his ability, to take the Avama, whether they preceded him, it was in the beginning, or even if it was at the end. Even if one of the adult brothers did a Yibam-related act with the Avama after the minor, let's say, already did a BS ben let's say he slept with her first, so he made a partial acquisition. He already kind of chapped her for himself, but still, if an adult brother goes and does a Yibam-related act now, that would now take, it would take effect, because the cotton was only partial, so the adult's act would take effect, and now with Asr, the, the nine-year-old, from, 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 from being with her now, remember, because two brothers cannot share the same ivama Once one's once, once taken, it's Asr. But here, what's so interesting is that the minor could disqualify the other brothers only where he preceded Where he went first, then they can't take. But if, he, if they already did something, then the effect of the, of the nine-year-old is not to, to Asr and them. But they, who have a stronger effect, so, they're affected. Can they can asser on him? And we'll see some more details on that in the Gemara. Ketzad. So, first the mission just speaks out what exactly is going on here. <laughs> if of a boy of nine years old who had beer with the Yavama. So, again, legally, a nine year old boy is considered Yavama. Apostle Aide Aachen. He's disqualified the adult brothers for now taking, taking her in Yibam because he's made the partial acquisition. Once he's made the partial acquisition, no other brother can take. And what would that mean? Aachen. If the adult brothers had Bia with the, Yvonne, the a Mimer, or they did a Mimer, they gave a get Gera, they did a Chalitza. And all of these things are things which impact that no other brother does iba, right? Because once one brother does Bia, obviously it's his wife. But if you do Mimer, once you partially acquire, no other brother is meant to take her. When you give a get, you push away the Zika a little bit from all the brothers. When you do Chalitza, obviously you pushed away the Zika, freed her completely. No other brothers are meant to take her. So if any of the adult brothers did one of these actions, post on Yolda, they're going to disqualify the minor from ever marrying the woman. And what we're saying is even if the minor had did his action first. Still, the adult brothers can come and disqualify afterwards. All right. So first, the Gemara just analyzes in the second case, where, we're ta- where the Mishnah said that he married the wife's half-sister after the death of the first wife. So the Gemara says, All too cool. weren't even in the case of the, of the, in the first case of the Mishnah where you married one, and then you kept on hearing that they died. All of them, you only kept on going to the sisters because you kept on hearing that they died. So how come we're like emphasizing in the second part of the Mishnah, oh, he did it after she died. Every infant in the, in the Rasha, you only did it because you thought the, the original wife died. So it means after the certain death of the first wife, meaning in the first case of the Mishnah, the first, the first wife turned out to be alive. You just heard news that she died. And that's why in the first part of the Mishnah, you're still married to one, not married to two, legally married to three, not married to four, so on and so forth. The second part of the Mishnah, what happened was you married the woman number two, after certainly the first wife died, meaning she actually died. And that's why the marriage to sister number two is binding and then three not binding and four binding. Okay, so now we get into this nine-year-old boy thing. So what do we say? Disqualifies adult brother. It sounds like the Mishnah was saying that he only... He only matters if he preceded any ibum that was done by an old brother, by an adult brother. Only if the nine year old boy went first and he did his partial acquisition, he did a bia. That's where it disqualifies the Obama from going to any of other brothers. But it does not disqualify it at the end if an adult brother took first and then the nine year old boy had bia. It would sound like it doesn't do anything. That's what that would be the mashmal. So let's just speak out a case. Let's imagine if an adult brother who did a mimer. No brother did a mimer, so that partially acquired for himself, he takes her, this is only for me. And now the nine-year-old boy, the nine-year-old yavam had bia. What would the law be? Could the adult brother who did mimer, could he follow through now and take, and take the Yavama fully? Or, or do we say that once the nine-year-old followed up his act of with followed up the other brother's act of mimer with his own act of bia, so that's going to disqualify. So if you read the Mishnah, it would sound like the nine-year-old boy could only disqualify at the beginning. Once an older brother, an adult brother, did anything in the beginning, even if it was only, let's say, a mimer, then the, 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 the kid doesn't have any impact. That's what it would sound. However, the Kumar proves it that quickly. That's not like that. If <speaking> one <in> did mimer, then after one brother, an adult brother, did mimer, a nine-year-old and one boy had B.O. with her, Psela, the minor disqualifies her from doing even with the first brother. So even though... The miner did the yibam, his yibam after his adult brother had already did Maimur, he still disqualifies. And what's the reason? Because Maimur of the adult brother is only partial. If It's only partial, so there's a place for the bias Ben-Taz, for his Biyas to take effect. And if it takes effect, then it is partially for him as well. So it disqualifies the Bimer from going to the balas of Mimer. So how could our Mishnah make like this unequivocal statement that the impact of the nine-year-old is only when it's Trila, only when it's before the other brothers? So it's not necessarily true. We're seeing in the of uh, that if one brother did Maimur, and then the nine-year-old let Bia that it would disqualify the other brother. So what are we saying? So Amri, we explained, this is what the mission really meant. Bia, a I feel You're right. If the, if the cotton is doing a Bia, he's actually sleeping with her. So then he could disqualify even at the end. Meaning even if it followed up, uh, a mimer that his, his adult brother already did, it would disqualify his adult brother. But mimer, what if the child, what if the nine-year-old is doing mimer? So that's an interesting thing. Did the rabbis give him the power of mimer? We know his biya that he does as a nine-year-old boy, the rabbi said is partial. But what did the rabbi say about the power of him giving a mimer? If he would give a ring and say, I am a So what's the law for the katan? law apostle, if he does not in the beginning before anyone else, has done anything so then it would it would have an impact with disqualifying the other brothers but so low apostle but if it's done afterwards it doesn't possible so basically we're saying an interesting thing that there's a distinction to a bs ben test is mimer. when our missioner was saying that that that, that the ben test is only three apostle not so if we meant in regard to his mimer his mimer is like downgraded from a regular mimer which makes sense because mimer typically kadushin is done with das so the bs ben we see he, he could have a b and therefore it's a partial acquisition but 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 his Mimer the rabbis downgraded and they say if it followed up somebody else's thing it can't do anything. But if it was first then it has an effect. So the Gemara says what are we coming out though? But if he did a bia, it would disqualify the other brothers, even if the adult brother had done mimer first. So the Mar says, "Is that true?" So, is it true that his bia really disqualifies the brothers if it's done at the end? The Mishnah seemed to say otherwise. It said The Mishnah said he disqualifies only at the beginning. They disqualify at the beginning and the end, and then the Mishnah spoke out. What did the Mishnah say? It said a case where Ben had bia with his yavama. So when the Mishnah was illustrating this point that he only possles in the beginning and not basov, it, it, it describes it in a case where he did a bia. But we are such trying to say that where he does a bia, he does disqualify even at the end, even if his brother already did the mimer. So which one is it? We're going in circles. What is the law? We know there's a partial acquisition from the cotton who's nine years old. The question is, is that impact of his partial bia? does that apostle disqualify only where it's done first, or does it disqualify even at the end? What is the truth? So the Moorah says, So you have to say that Really, it only really the bia disqualifies even at the end. The mishnah was missing words, and this is what it should have said. So this is sometimes the style of a mishnah to be very short, and you have to. It's almost sometimes missing words. You have to rely on memory and tradition. And this is an example like that. Really, it's a say like this. The nine-year-old and one boy, he disqualifies other brothers only at the beginning. They disqualify him at the beginning of the end. When is that true? This is the missing line in the Mishnah. When is that true? But Mimer, that's all for the minor brother's act of Maimar. His Maimar only disqualifies in the beginning, but once another brother did it, then his follow up Maimar would not pass. Him. I will be up over the The nine year olds be up, of so Philip it would disqualify even at the end. Kate's odd in what case? Is his bia going to disqualify even at the end? a nine year old boy had bia with his yuvama, even after the adult brother already did mimer with her, then he would disqualify the adult brother from taking her in yivam. So once we amend it that way, it's exactly like we had from the breizel, and there's no contradiction. So basically, we're coming out as follows The rabbis gave a nine year old boy, not only, not only is his bia a bia, but his, his power of mimer is also a mimer. Obviously, these are only partial acquisitions. And they're effective to take him for, her, for, for him and disqualify the other brothers. His power of Bia, apostles in the beginning and at the end. Even if, if another brother, until he had done a complete thing, if all the adult brother had done was Maimar, when the nine-year-old now does Bia, you will disqualify. Too bad. I'm sorry you did Maimar. Once he, he chopped his partial acquisition from the Bia, it disqualifies. For the power of Maimar that the rabbis gave to the nine-year-old there would say he only disqualifies in the beginning, but not at the end. But now the Gemara has, immediately Maimar Klaudeach. Does a mimer any any, any any case have the ability to ask an adult brother with mimer? In other words, we're saying that the rabbis gave a power of mimer that at least in the beginning, if he preceded any of the other brothers and did a mimer first, then he would disqualify another brother from taking over review of That's what we're trying to make. But the Gemara says, is that true? says He only disqualifies with one type of action. He's only got one type of action. But the adult brothers could disqualify with four actions. What is the one action versus the four action? Who posts they? The only act that is impactful from the cotton is his act of bia because the cotton, again, he has no das. So the only thing that the rabbis gave and what they said to him is that his bia, since the biya doesn't need das for for yivam, so the biya could, could pass to all the brothers. But when we say that the brothers disqualify in him, it's biya, mimer, get to a chalitza. Whether they did a biya, maimer get, or chalitza at all is an impact. So what is the bryasa saying? The implication is that the mimer of a minor doesn't disqualify on the brothers. That's what it seems like. And it sounds like in the bryasa even in the beginning, because the bryasa didn't distinguish. So that contradicts us. We're saying that the nine-year-old has mimer, just it's only disqualifying in the beginning. The they here it sounds like he doesn't have mimer. So the Mark explains, no, 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 really he does that mind, which was in the beginning, just Biyah. The The reason we only spoke about the Biyah is because Biyah always has an impact. The Bia has an impact even at the end. So therefore it was possibly, it was something that we could say without qualification to discuss. A mimer, in regard to the mimer's mimer, it only disqualifies in the beginning, but not at the end. The tana couldn't say it without qualifying it, so therefore the tana didn't mention it at all. So basically we're coming out, and it's very confusing, all the facts, but we're coming out very clear that a mimer is given to a nine-year-old. His power of mimer is only to precede another brother and say, this is for me, and disqualifies on them. His power of bia is stronger. His power of bia would would, would disqualify another brother, even if the other brother had done mimer first. The cotton's bia would come and disqualify. The minor also has the power to give a get. Right? He can give a get and, partially dis- and and now disqualify the Zika partially. He also has mimer. So he has these powers. Just the point is, they're only effective in the beginning. The mayor says the minor has, has, has the ability to give a get to the Ibama and push, pu- pu- push her away from the other brothers and to do a mimer, partially acquire for himself and push away the other brothers. Says the Gamar, is it true that Rameir says this for Safra get Shogetfa Atania also beyond that's commer bogaldo? It says that the rabbis treat the biyah that a nine-year-old does like the level of Maimur from an adult. Just as when it's minor of an adult, it's partial, so too the bia of the bentas is a partial acquisition. Reb Meir says, also, chalitza bantasha begado. They treat the chalitza of a nine year old yavam like the get of an adult yavam. Just as the adults get pushes away, disqualifies the brothers, or pushed away the zika partially, so too the minor's chalitza does the same thing. So Reb Meir makes the point that the chalitza, if, the, if there would be chalitza with the nine year old boy, it would disqualify, it says, it would disqualify the zika the same way. A get done by an adult. So if it's true that a minor also could give a get and disqualify, listening to Gito, let it say that the minor's chalitza could push away just like the minor's own get. Why is it saying like an adult get? Say like his own get. Must be. He doesn't have get. So it's like steer and Rameer. We're saying that, uh, 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 that, 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 that a cotton before, if he proceeds to other brothers, all, he actually has a mimer and a get. But here we see it seems not that way, that he only has... The, uh, the <laughs> chalitza of a not-get, because the language of said is, when a nine-year-old does chalitza, is treated, it's no different than an adult giving a get. So the Mark explains, no, the minor does have the power to give a get, but it's less effective than a get of an adult brother. In what way? So basically that's why we're making the point, that the, the minor's chalitza is equivalent not to his own get, but to an adult's get. So, an adult's get is stronger than a minor's get. In what way? So, remember, we had a machlokas if one, if, 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 one, um, if there's a get after a get. Remember, the machlokas says there's a get after a get, the not say there's not. So, the Gemara speaks out how it's less effective. Liver, gumlil, corn, ain't get after get. There's no validity to one get given after another get. Let's say, so you, let's say you, one guy gives a get to one Yavama, and then he gives a get to a second Yavama. The second Yavama isn't disqualified from a Kohen. So, it's only where an adult gave a get after one was already given by another adult. Or if two, one cotton one gave it after another cotton gave it. Let's say first the cotton gave it. And then an adult gave a get, the second adult get would be valid. So in that way, it's stronger. The adult's get is valid. And, the Rabbanu, and even according to Rabbanan who say get, so then you're gonna say, where does it make a difference? The idea is honey katan. That's all if they're on the same level. Let's say a gholo gave a get first, and then a cotton gives a get, Loma Hani, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be valid because it's smaller, it has less effect than a golo's get. So bottom line is, we're closing the circuit here that it, not only is the power of mimer given to a nine-year-old, the power of get is also given to a nine-year-old, but it's a smaller effect of get than an adult's get. That's the point that we're making. And all of these things, all these other powers, be of, uh, besides for bia, the, all these in and, and mimer thing, the power that's given to a nine-year-old is only if it goes first, but if it goes, it follows what, what the adult does, it didn't have a power. Whereas is bia is stronger, it, disqual- it's, it disqualifies another brother, even if it follows off his mind. Alright, so now the whole assumption that we've been assuming about the nine year old as we turn to the Ahmed base is that his biya is a partial acquisition. That's been the total assumption. So now the Gemara continues based upon this. of if a boy nine year old then one day had biya with his <laughs> then another brother who was nine year old. Right? There, were two, there were two, let's say, two twins, two Yavams who were twins or something. They're both nine-year-olds, or one nine and one ten, what's this say? So one, one, one is left with the Yavama first, and then one's left with the Yavama second. So what's the law post al The second brother is going to disqualify the Yavama from going to the first brother. Why? It's she's going to be also on both, because they both made a partial acquisition. So if they both made a partial acquisition, she's also now on both. So that's, again, an impact of the fact that his B of Ben-Dishishanim is only partial. So there's still a place for the second one to come and ruin it says the second brother doesn't disqualify the first. Once one brother, one nine-year-old brother did, did, did his ibum, so if the second brother did it, did, did an active EBOM, it's not going to disqualify the first brother. So what's the shot in Rib Shimon? So Rib Shimon, the showed him, explained, he has a different way of looking at BS ben He says it's not a partial acquisition. It's a doubtful acquisition. We're not sure how to look at it. It either is totally effective or totally ineffective. It's a doubt. But since it's a doubt, it's either totally effective or totally ineffective. Once one brother did it, the second brother doing it, it's not going to disqualify. Because either way you look at it, either side of the doubt, it doesn't matter. If you go with the side that it's a full Kenyan, so once the first brother did it, he had a full acquisition. The second brother can't take away, it's already his. It already and if you say it's nothing, it has no impact, so the same way the first one had no impact, and the second one will have no impact. So Reb Shimon gives a, a perspective, a totally different perspective on the be of the Bentass. It's either totally effective or totally ineffective. We treat it like a doubt. Whereas the Rabbanon say it's certainly partially effective. That's the difference. That's the difference. If one one brother does it, the second one does it. According to the Rabbanan, the second brother's impact is that it disqualifies the first brother from being with her. According to Reb Shimon, there would be no impact from the second one. Another case, a boy of nine years old, and one day he had Bia with his Yivama, then he had Bia with her co-wife. Meaning, there was a second Yivama from the same husband, so you're not supposed to marry both Yivamas, right? You do Yivam to one wife. If there's another wife, she's supposed to go free. Here, what did the guy do? This nine-year-old, he had Bia with one, and then he had Bia with the second. So what's the law? He disqualified himself from taking the first Yivama and Yivam. Right? Even when he gets, he turns to an adult and he wants to make more of you know, a better decision which one he's gonna marry, he can't, why? Because once he get beat with the second Ivama, that took, that had effect, right? He partially acquired both when he was a cotton. So now, the first ivama's is also, because you can't marry both. So he partially acquired both. So now he's never going to be able to fully marry either. And what's he going to have to do? He's going to have to divorce them and give them uh chalitza as well. He's going to order to free, free himself of the situation. But to actually go and fully consummate either marriage would be would be us or because he partially has already acquired both. Again, that's because the Tanakama holds that the B.S. Ben-Taz certainly partially acquires the Yavama. He's not going to disqualify himself. Why? Because... How, Reb Shimon says it's either a doubt, either it fully acquired or it didn't acquire at all. So what did he do? When he was nine, he slept with both girls. Either the first girl, that, the first girl he totally acquired or it didn't, and then the second girl, okay, it's, it's nothing because he already acquired the first one fully, the zika was already gone, or the, the bia's that he had is nothing, so there was no impact. So now when he turns to an adult, he could go to the first one that he took. I mean, either way you look at the doubt, he could be with the first one. Either he already completely acquired her or there was no acquisitions at all. And now he could, he could begin an acquisition. So in the Rabbanon, where there was a positive partial acquisition on both, so when he turns an adult, he can't go to the first one because there was a certain pa- a partial acquisition on the second one. But in Reb Shimon, where it's a doubt if it fully acquired, or didn't acquire at all. So once he turns an adult, he can go to the first one and take her with confidence that he's doing the right thing. Okay, great. And now we speak out this Machlokas in the, in the Gemara. Tanya says in the Bible, Reb Shimon said to the rabbis, In b'yay, of b'yay, if the be with the first one is valid, then it fully acquires. Then bia a Biyah. If the first one is valid, that means it fully it fully acquires her. So then the second biyah is not a active biyah at all. Then a einabiyah. And if the first one is not a biyah to acquire the the then so then biyashnei aminabiyah. And so then the second biyah is also not a biyah. So there's no way that the second one is going to accomplish anything. Either the first one is everything, and therefore the second one is nothing, or the first one is nothing, and the second one is also nothing. Whereas the Tanakh again holds that as partial. Now, if you, we noticed in the Mishnah, that this point of the partial acquisition, and therefore there's a place for the second one to be chao, we said it in two cases. If there were two brothers, or there were two yavamas. We said, in either case, since it was a partial acquisition, in the Tanakhama's view, there's an impact for the second one. Either a, an impact from the second brother on the same Yavama or an impact from the same brother on the second Yavama. Okay, so that was the way we spoke out both ways. So the says, If there are two different brothers on one Yavama, one brother did Mimer, so it's only partial acquisition. So if a second brother does Mimer, he also has partial acquisition. They disqualify one and the other. If it's two brothers on the same Yavama, there's a Mimer that can follow a Mimer. But, if there's one brother, one Yavam, and two different wives, two different wives, two different Yavamos, once we give maimer to one, there's no effect of maimer on the other. Why exactly it is that way, try to remember in the fifth paragraph. It's hard uh, to get back into now. But the point is, we see not that way in our Mishnah. Our Mishnah holds that the partial acquisitions work both ways, because we see that the tanakama was using whether it was the case that there was one wife and two brothers, the BS test from one brother, now the BS test and the second brother, will both partial acquisition will have an impact. Remember, the BS test is like a minor. And the same thing is true. If it's one brother and two, you vamos, the same thing, we're going to say that the partial acquisition will go on both. So our mission holds that it's the same. All right, here we go. Continuing this BS pentest thing. Here we go. Says the Mishal, sh- Now here's, here's where things get tricky. Maybe just one introduction. Normally, there's a Yavama walks around with one Zika, right? What happens? A man dies childless. He leaves a Yavama. She's got a Zika. One of the brothers steps up and does even Rechalitza. Now, what's going to happen? Tricky. Tricky here. Just remember our concept. This was on the Mishra and Dafu Back in Daf 31. That if a Mimer, if, if let's say only a Mimer was done. Well, so one brother did a partial acquisition. And then he died. Now what happens to that Yavama? Let's think. How many Zikas does she have? She's got two Zikas. Why? She's got part, because the Mimer partially acquires her. So she's still partially Zakak from the original brother who died, but since Maimur does partially acquire her, she's also got some of his zika coming from the guy who did Maimur too. So there's a concept that now you have a woman who has two zikas from two d- deceased brothers. So what's the law? So the law, the Mishnah of Laman Aleph says that she's not taking an Yibo. That's the law. You only take a woman who has one Zika, you don't take a woman with two Zikas. The question is, why is that? There's different perspectives. The one perspective might be that it's just Xera Tsarkasov. Tara says that when she has one Zika, not when she has two Zikas. Another way of looking at it is that we might be Xayra, since she kind of looks like she was married to the second one, she didn't mime her, so, so you might come to take the Tsar as well, might come to end up being like someone might get confused about what's going on and say that you could take the tsara as well, and you might end up doing um, uh, yibam to two different yivamas. And we'll see, the Gemara will speak out at this point, we'll get back into it. But either way, the point is, when a girl has two zikas, when is falling and she's got two zikas, because she was partially acquired, then she doesn't do yibam in the future. So what happens? Mamish, this case happens here with a nine-year-old boy. Because a nine-year-old boy, remember, his act of bia is like a mimer. It's like a mimer in the sense that he partially acquires the yivama. It's a boy, of nine years old in one day, had B with his Yovama, then he died. So what's happening now is that she's gonna, the Yovama is falling partially from him too. She's partially having Zika from, 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 her, from, from her partial acquisition of a nine-year-old boy. But... She also still has partial, partial Zika from the original husband because the nine-year-old boy only partially acquired her. So Chaletzeb is also of MS. So Yivamah requires Halitza from her surviving brother, but she should not be taken in Yivam. And this is the idea that she's bound by two Yivamim. Since she's bound by Zika to Yivamim, there's no Yivam, but only Halitza. In the second rule, Nasa so Yishuvah Maitz, let's say a minor, just stum, a regular case where a minor marries a woman and he dies. What's the law? There's no law that she needs even with Why? Because if it's a regular case, nothing to do with Yibam, if a nine year old gets married, that's no effect halakhically. All of this thing that is, there's partial acquisition to a nine year old boy, that's all within Yibam. Because all within Yibam, the idea of Yibam is that you don't need Das. So that's where, it's, oh, it's got a legal Bia, it's got a legal Bia. But whenever you're starting Stam, a new random marriage, there's absolutely nothing which is given to a nine-year-old boy. So when he dies, there's not going to be even more kalitsa. A third rule. nine-year-old boy and one had with Then he becomes an adult. Then he marries another woman. Vameis and then he dies. So interesting. He, his first wife, he only has a partial acquisition with because he had Bia with her when he was nine. And his second wife, he had Bia when, when, he, when he was an adult. So she's a full, a full woman. So if he didn't have Bia with the first woman after he returned to an adult, so she remains only partially his... His wife, so now we of So now the first woman, when he is going to require chalitzah from his surviving brother, but not because the first wife has Ezekah of two Yavas, Right, that's what's going on. The first, the, the, the nine year old only did be with her when he was nine. He didn't never had to be with her when he turned to an adult. So she she's partially acquires him and partially still zaka for the first brother. But the second woman that he, he married when, once he was an adult, that's just a regular full, full wife that, that he has. Well She would either do chalitza or be taken in Yibam. Now the one thing that we see that's interesting, which is Mar is going to talk about, we don't say that since one wife can't do Yibam, the other wife can't do Yibam as well. We say the wife who has the two zikah, she doesn't do Yibam. But the tsara, the other wife, the co-wife, who is just Not as a regular wife, why would, it. It. why would we say that? Why do, normally there's a law in Yibamos that when one w- woman is forbidden to Yibam, then the other woman as well is impacted, right? That's the law. So why don't we say over here that since one, one wife, the first wife that he married it was only partially acquired as has a Zika from both brothers, she doesn't do even. Why don't we say that that now it says other oh, co-wife as well doesn't do even, right? So this the Kumar is gonna ask, okay? Rabbi Shimon disagrees, Rabbi Shimon, the brother can take whichever one he wants, then with the second one. Why? What's the shot here? Because remember, Rabbi Shimon holds that the minors, it's a doubt, it's a suffix if it's fully effective or totally not effective. So therefore, what happened? When, when, when this, the nine-year-old had via? it either totally acquired her or totally what didn't acquire her. But one thing is certain, the woman doesn't have two zikas. Because according to Rabbi Shimon, it either totally acquired her or totally didn't acquire her. But it's not two zikas. So therefore, Rav is going to say that it's not Zika's two of two Yavamin. So, so when the nine-year-old dies, you could take, you could take, you could take one of them and Yivam, even this one at the, that slept with the nine-year-old boy. And you, can't, you do chalitza with the second one because out of the possibility that the, 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 the BS test wasn't effective at all, so then the second one still needs chalitza. Now we finish off. But this is what we're always talking about, a nine-year-old boy. It's not about being nine. The point is that you're legally able to have bia, but you're not yet an adult. So that could go, that could apply to a nine-year-old boy. You could even be 20 years old. If you haven't hit puberty. If there's no puberty, you could even be at the age of 20. Age of 20, but if you haven't hit puberty, then you're still considered not to be an adult, and then only all these laws that we've been discussing will still be relevant. All right, so now the Gemara makes an observation. What was the first case? You have a yavama, who has a, you have a yavama who's bound to the oven with the Zikov to Yovama, right? That's the case, because the nine-year-old did a... A partial acquisition. He did it be a partial acquisition. So when he dies, what do we say? She's taking a chalitza b'nai yiva. This idea, this concept, that when a woman has two, a from two yivamin, she does only chalitza, don't tell me it's only when there's another co-wife in the second husband. Don't tell me that the whole law of zikah shnei is only when there's a co-wife because there there's an issue not to do Yibam because of the presence of the co-wife. What does that mean? If you would do Yibam to one, you might come to do Yibam to the other one as well. Why? Because people might not perceive the girl with the two Yibam as being the wife of the second one. Because remember, she was only partially acquired. So they might, you might come to marry her and marry the co-wife as well, which you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to marry two, the, both, both the Yibamas. So don't tell me the whole reason the girl with two, with two, with two Zikas doesn't do Yibamas like Zayra, that you might come to do it to the Tsar also. Normally there's no such zera, right? You know, there's two wives, I do even to one. But here she was only partially acquired. People still perceive her as being the widow of the first guy. So maybe if you do Yibam to her, you'll come to do Yibam to the co-wife for the second one as well. Don't tell me that's the only concern. And it's only when there's the co-wife that you don't do that because in our Mishnah, in the first case of the Mishnah, we didn't speak about that there was a co-wife. We just said the case was that a nine-year-old slept with the Yavama, then he died, and we said she only does Chalitza and Ayibam. Even when there's no co-wife, we still make the law. Now, what, what shot we make the law even when there's no co wife So there's two ways of looking at it. It could be you could look at it, really it's still a zero, I'll do a co-life. Just the rabbis expanded it, even in a case where there's no co wife we ask it to protect the case where there might be a co wife That might be the right perspective, or it could be that it's got nothing to do with a co wife at all, and it's just a perspective that someone who has two Zikas doesn't do evil we'll have to still determine that coming to God. It's going to still come. There's really two perspectives on the law of zikash and is it all to protect the co-wife? Just the is observing that it's true even when there's no practical co-wife in the Sitchinei scenario the rabbi still answered it? Or is it just a new law that someone with two zikas doesn't do eva? So we'll continue and explore that. Continues the Gemara Nas Yishuvamez. If he married a woman, then he died. So a random marriage that a nine year old has is not binding at all. It's no chalitza. It's like what we see in a price. If an insane person or a minor marries a woman and dies, then an the shame between a chalitza and a So then their wives are put from chalitza and yibam. What's the reason? The reason is that there was no binding marriage at all. Teisha shanim. Okay, now we get into the case where a nine year old boy had be with the Yivama, and when he turned an adult, he married another woman. Okay, so he's got two wives. He's got the partial acquisition wife. That, that, he, that is only partial, partially acquired to him, and he's got another full fledged wife. Then he dies. So, what did the Mishnah say? The girl that's partially acquired to him, what did we say? She doesn't do evil. Why? Because she's got the two Zikas. But the other girl, the Koa, if she could do um, the Chalitzer or the Yiba. That's what the Mishnah said. So, Frakti the this is what Matt was asking. He asked BS Matashi Mimar, why don't we treat that his bea like a Mimar? So, he partially acquired the first girl. And now that's why she's not doing Yibam because she's got two Zikas. And that should push, push away the koai from Yibam because isn't that the general law in Yibamas that when you have one, uh, one woman who has a Din Erva to Yibam, she's forbidden to Yibam. So, she impacts not only does she not do Yibam, but the Kohai as well. So, here we've got one woman who can't do Yibam because she's got the Zika of two Yavamas. So, so to vomit? so that should push away the Koif as well. So but, Rob, No, we don't treat it like Mimer Bogaldo. Rav's answering, even though we're saying it's treated like Mimer in many ways, not for the law that it's gonna answer the Koif. What does that mean? It's hard to understand, right? It's treated like a partial acquisition, right? So we're basically saying that the rabbis, this is all Madra this whole thing, that we treat it like a partial acquisition. So the rabbis only treat it like a partial acquisition in regard to herself, but not in regard to offspring somebody else. Kloppe, somebody else, the rabbis treat it as if there was no acquisition, and therefore she's free to go. The rabbis made like a fascinating split. Klappe her, we treat it like she has two to Zika's, and therefore she shouldn't do it even, but clapping the Tsarites it's as if there was no acquisition, the rabbis never imposed it, and therefore the tsar can go. Fascinating split, obviously hard to understand. Shmuel, Shmuel says, asu, asu, what are you talking about? They made it like Mimer, they made it like Maimer. There's a partial acquisition. So then what's the obvious question? So the Mar says, Vyasu. Okay, so then what's going on? If they made it like Mimer, and so then our question comes back. If they made it like Mimer, so then once we see that the that the one with two zikas doesn't do Yibam because she's got the, the two zikas, so why isn't it and the Zara? According to Shmuel, what's the job? So the Kumar explains Lumdish stuff here. Here we go. Tanoihi. it depends on a machlokas tanom. What's the machlokas tanon? What's the machlokas Tanam? Machlokas Tanam, We're going to compare our Mishnah to the Mishnah Daf Lamed And the Mishnah Daf Lamed Aleph, we spoke about somebody who did mimer, and we said that once he does mimer and he dies, so that 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 widow is falling from two brothers. Now she doesn't do yibam, and the co-wife doesn't do yibam. That's what the Mishnah Daf Lamed Aleph said. Again, we're where Gullul did mimer, he has a partial acquisition, and he dies. Both she, the balaas of mimer, and a co-wife doesn't do yibam. Again, our Mishnah said a bias pentas. Partial acquisition. He doesn't do Yibam. She doesn't do yibum when the nine year old dies, but the co wife would. So what's going on? It's a machlokas tanoim. It's a machlokas tanoim. if someone with the zika shnei yivam and who's not going to do Yibam, does she asher her tzar. It's a machlokas tanoim. Hach tana d'arba achin The tana in the fourth in the third parak parak arba achin he holds that the decree why someone with two zikas doesn't do Yibam, The whole thing is a decree that you might marry the co wife as well. Remember that was one approach. If you marry her, you might marry the co wife as well because people don't perceive. That they're from the same marriage and you're not allowed to marry both of them. So the whole thing is exera the Tsara. If the thing is exera Atu the Tsara here, here's with alumnus. If it's exera to the Tsara, then we ask the tsara as well. If the reason why a woman who doesn't have to, who has two zikas, if the reason why we don't let her do yibam is because we're scared it might let it might lead to doing ybam with her and the tsara. Then of course we answer the tzara as well. It's utter the tzara. It's utter that you might do even with both. So we asser both in even. That's the way the rabbis legislated it. Vashmina begaldo. The Mishnah Lamed told me in a case where the where a godel did my the The same thing would be if a cotton did did, did, did bia. It'd be one and the same. The reason the Tana Lamed spoke about a galdo is because we were talking about a galdo there. We weren't talking about a nine. Whereas here's the, the other side of the this is that our tana holds the reason why we ask for someone with two with two zikas is not because we're concerned you might do them to both. Her and the tzara. its a different thing. It's just a law. Someone with two zikas doesn't do yibum, not because just a random law in the Torah. Someone with two zikas—you don't take over. You only take over one man. You don't take over two. So it's not that she's forbidden to yibum. She's not as she has a in eravah to yibum. It's not that we're trying to protect the tzara. It's just a random law to itself. Someone with two zikas doesn't do yibum. If so, it doesn't impact the tzara. If someone is an eravah to yibum, someone who's forbidden to yibum, the law is that they for the tzara. Here, it's not a din that she's it's forbidden. It's a law that's not The mitzvah of yibum doesn't apply to someone with two zikas. If so, that's why we're not going to impact the tzara. So Hashminam B'Katan, happens to be the mission here, we're talking about a cotton. so it spoke about a kaan. The same thing with an adult's mimer. If an adult in mimer and then he died and he left two wives, this balasa mimer and another wife, the other wife could do yibam. The only reason the Mishnah spoke about cotton is because we're talking about cotton. So what's going on here? Let's just make a quick zikon. There's a general machlokas. If someone did a partial acquisition and dies and leaves two wives, the partial acquisition one and the full acquisition one, what's the law? The partial acquisition one doesn't do even because she has two zikas. What about the tsara? It's a machlokas tanoim. What's the machlokas depending on the deep lumdus of why someone with two zikas doesn't do even? If the law is to protect that you might do even with her and the tzara both, then we do ask for the tsara. That's the time of the mishnah lamed aleph. Our time holds. It's just a new law that someone with two zikas doesn't do even, therefore it doesn't impact the tzara. All right. Now that we resolve this whole thing, the Gemara. This was all Rabbi Yochanan, who was the one who said who said all this. So the Gemara gets into an awesome tangent here. Rabbi Yochanan Josh. went over in the base Madrash and he said this over Rabbi Yochanan's statement. V'la'amish made He didn't quote Rabbi Yochanan. See, he said over this whole tirade that Rabbi Yochanan said, but he didn't quote Rabbi Yochanan. Sham Rabbi Yochanan! Rabbi heard about it, and got very angry. Rami Ravasi tried to comfort him. said, Didn't, anger is a bad thing. You know, you know there's an anger is a bad thing. There was once a story in a shul in Tveria, the rabbis were fighting about a machlok as Tanoam about a, a bolt with a knob on the end. There's a machlokas if you can use such a bolt to lock a door on Shabbos. Don't even get into what the machlokas is dependent on. Don't, just follow the tangent here. There was a dispute about making a certain lock on Shabbos and there was a dispute. Shenecho Lazar, Rabbi Rabbi and Rabbi argued about it and they got so upset they got so into their debate and and they were so angry, they went and they ripped the Sefer Torah out of their anger. So what do I see? The evil effect of anger. Don't get angry, right? They ripped the Sefer Torah. So Rabbi Yechonon, you should calm down. You should calm down. Don't be so upset because we don't want anything bad happening. So the Gemara says, first of all, come on, you think they actually went out of their anger and ripped the Sefer Torah? So the Gemara says, what happened was, it, it got ripped. Meaning it wasn't intentional that they went and they ripped the Sefer Torah. But what happened was, they were angry and the Sefer Torah was out, and, and one thing led to another, and unintentionally the Sefer Torah ripped. And anyway, the Gemara continues. When it got ripped, Rabbi Yosef Kisma was there, and Omar, he said, I will be astonished. I'm telling you, the Shul is going to turn into a church. It seemed to be, the whole place was cursed. So don't get mad, they told Rabbi Yolchanan. So how did Rabbi Yolchanan got more upset. Why? Omar, he said, you're considering me like a colleague, meaning to say, listen to this. Rabbi Eichem was upset, not Stam, because he wasn't quoted. It was his student who was saying over his Torah and he didn't quote him. So you bring me a story between two colleagues who got angry and the Sefer Torah was ripped. Basically, that's even making it worse. Because Rav Ami Razi are trying to comfort him by bringing him a story of a parallel, where his two colleagues, Rabbi was saying, "You think this is my colleague who didn't quote me? This is my student. That's why I'm so much more upset." So you got even more that. So what happened? Amolai, Rav Yochel, Rav Yochel, Rav then went to Rabbi Yilchon Amolai. He said, "Listen to the pasuk. What statement pasuk? Hashem tziva Hashem as Moshe avdo the way Hashem told Moshe. can Moshe Yeshua. So Moshe said to Yeshua, 'Also also Yeshua.' So Yeshua did. Lo hesra mekalah Hashem tziva Moshe. He didn't change anything from the way that Hashem told Moshe. So what do we see? Every single." thing that Yeshua was told by Moshe, Yeshua did faithfully. You think every single thing Yeshua did his whole life, he quoted Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, everything he did was what Moshe told. You think everything he quoted Moshe? Yeshua would just say the law and he wouldn't tell you the source. It was so obvious to everybody that it was the Torah of Moshe. So it went without saying that it was Moshe's Torah. So too with Rabbi Lazar. What a beautiful comfort. Your Talmud, Rav Lazar, quotes you. Everybody knows. Everybody understands that it's you. Beautiful. So He said, "He said, why don't you know how to comfort me like our colleague, the son of Edi? So he basically said to Rabbi Ravasi, "You guys stink at comforting me." That guy, who that he, he was saying good. So now the Gemara says, "Rabbi Yehuda, my time, my time, a couple What got so angry. Like, calm down. Even if without this whole thing, what was pshat? got angry. So the Gemara, very famous thing. my "I want to live." In your tent of two worlds. Can you live in both worlds? Either you're dead or you're alive. How can you be living in both worlds? I want that after I die, I should be quoted back in this world. Any deceased if he's quoted in this world, his lips murmur in the grave. So that's why you want to be quoted. Where do we see this? It says, when the utterance of what you say in your lips, is like it's like good wine. So what does that mean? It's like the words of the Torah here, the rabbis are compared to Grapes, to so like a bunch of grapes, when you have a bunch of grapes, when you person touches it, the wine moves, meaning the it starts bubbling to the top here. As soon as you quote them in this world, when, even though they're already dead, you quote them in this world, so, so, their lips move in the grave. That's why Rabbi Yochanan was originally upset because he thought Rabbi Yochanan doesn't quote me, so now nobody's going to quote me after I die. My lips are not going to murmur in the grave.